You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cat catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing episode. You may remember him from the live at BroadwayCon Cats debate, or you might know him for his incredible photography business or as the creator of The Dressing Room Project, which is a photographic journal of actors prepping for their roles on Broadway, or maybe from one of his other two podcasts, Dear Multi-Hyphenate or My Broadway Memory, and all these other things he does, but none of that matters today because what matters is that... His high school production of Cats might be one of the most elaborate things I've ever heard of. So welcome, Michael Kushner, and thank you for joining me. Hi. <laughs> I'm so excited because let me tell you, you like fulfilled a doing the live, the live show at Broadway. Oh, my God, my phone. Jesus. Um, uh, doing the live show at Broadway Con with Nancy Opal and Tommy Brock and just like legends I literally was like I can't believe I was asked to do this I'm like I'm I'm sitting up first of all Nancy Opal I did on the town with her at Barrington stage in the pre-Broadway tryout um for the revival the 2014 revival and I was geeking out about her because in my in high school we were obsessed with Nancy Opal because when we were doing cats, we knew that we found out that our next year's show was going to be urine town. So while we were doing cats, we were also like belting privilege to pee and like trying to impersonate Nancy Opal. So like the fact that I was sitting on this panel with Nancy Opal talking about cats was mind blowing to me. So thank you for that. I I love that because it just also really highlights how different you and I are because when Nancy and Tommy and everyone who was, was added to the panel and was like brought up to me, I'm like, I, th- I think I know who they are. It was <laughs> like, it wasn't like a, the obsession. Cause I'm not that super fan that knows a ton about Broadway. So it's like, Oh, I, you know, if it hadn't happened in the past four years when I've lived in New York, it's probably fairly faint of my knowledge on it. And so I was excited to have you on the panel cause I knew you had strong opinions about the show. So, so I, and I knew some of the other people either were in the show or did not know anything about it, which is what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I wanted people that knew nothing about cats to come in that had a good sense of humor, like Nancy and Tommy. Then I wanted Gurr and Christine and people who were in the show to kind of balance you and I as being the additional, like, hey, let's round this out. Let's get a debate going. Yes. We, uh, we had a blast. It's a great I know. episode. I think we would consider us cat aficionados. So, um, you know, I, I, I had a, I had a, I had a blast doing it. I mean, I remember like you had a great audience too. And I remember when I was taking notes, I heard these two girls like in the third row go, Oh my God, he's so serious. <laughs> Cause I was like, I, cause I was ready to like, I was ready to, to, to debate. I was ready to, to state my, my, my claim. Like I was ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had you had a legitimate argument, like you made your case, whereas Nancy and Tommy just like 
made stuff up. Yeah. I had no idea, which was great. It was a great balance. It was really super fun. Uh, a great event that I hope happens, um, you know, again soon, but yeah. let's talk before we go to your high school production, which is where we're going to spend most of our time today. Tell uh-huh. me about your cast history. Did you love it before high school or were you really introduced to it when you got to perform it? I saw a national tour of it um, with my mom and it was before, it was like that, that time, I guess I can't, I don't know if I had ever realized that performing was ever, I, I, I don't know if I ever knew that performing was not a job because my grandma was a community theater actor in Long Island and the, at the JCC in like the eighties. And what they used to do was like, not get the rights to the shows, but do like Fiddler on the Roof and rename Fiddler on the Roof to like Peddler on the Stoop. So no one knew what it was. And like, um, I'm trying to think of other shows like Bye Bye Birdie was like Conrad exclamation point or like Sweet Apple. You know what I mean? Like, funny like the shit DVD like you buy off the street from the bootleg guy with a different name. hundred percent. But I, I, so I guess I always knew that they were jobs, but I was young. My first show I ever saw was River Dance. That was the first like show. And then I saw the Titanic national tour. And then I saw the Cats national tour. And I guess I was about eight or nine when I saw Cats. And um, I remember, I remember being like, they're like, Cats is very polarizing for so many people, like where they're like, I hated it or I was fascinated or like, I had no idea what's going on. But I remember the cats running into the audience with the green eyes shining at us. The intro, and, right? And us sort of like, yeah. And during, yeah. And during the overture angelical cats. And like, I was like fascinated, didn't have any idea what was going on, but like enjoyed it thoroughly. And then like destroyed the VHS. Cause I like couldn't stop watching it. So that's okay. So that's perfect. So you saw it as a kid, you loved it. You kind of got in tune and then you get this opportunity to do it in high school. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Uh-huh. So here's what I know, and we're going to cover all of these things. Okay. So you have told me that it cost $44,000 to produce. Yes, that was what the number. What does a normal high school production cost for a show? I have no oh. I have no frame of reference here. Probably anywhere from like, depending on the school, because there are some areas in the country where there's no arts. No theater, yeah. No, no theater. So like... You know, first of all, we had the 3000 building at American Heritage School was the theater. So it was a private school. I should back up and talk about the area where I'm from. I'm from Fort Lauderdale, where arts is alive. It is a very bizarre area, but the arts is it, it is pretty alive. And there's regional theaters, equity houses, museums, uh, dance troops, uh choir like ever like everywhere like i was raised uh, surrounded by the arts and start and started performing 20 years ago this year actually and um and so the the after school programs the performing arts after school programs that i would be a part of i mean it was like at carl springs institute for the performing arts it was hundreds of kids that i was doing theater with not like meh, 20 25 it was hundreds um it was amazing it was amazing 
And um, there were a lot of groups like that around in uh, Fort Lauderdale. So then I went to a performing arts. Well, it was a private high school. I was on full scholarship. And I don't want to say it was a performing arts high school. It was a school that sort of excelled in everything they did. It was like you went there for sports or you went there to get into MIT or uh, Yale or Harvard, or you went there for performing arts or you went there for fine art. Like everything that you went there and specialized for, like you it was, it was an exciting time. And, um, but the thing about that is, is every high school around in the area was really, really, really good at performing arts as well. So it was very competitive. And now I'm a judge at Florida state thespians, which is like my, one of my favorite things to do. And cause I, comp- I we all competed in that together. We all, hi, my name is Michael Kishner. I'm performing. I want to go home from big and I proudly represent troop three, eight, one, four. You did the song, you got critiqued, and if you got Critics' Choice, you performed in front of everyone, and it was amazing. So ever, so even if there wasn't money involved, there was still – the theater was really good. So American Heritage, we had three theaters in our building. We had the studio theater, we had the black box, and we had the main stage. And the main stage, I think, was – I think if it if it was in New York, it would be it would definitely be considered a Broadway house because it was more than five hundred ninety nine seats. My first show I ever did at the Carl Spring Center for the Arts that was a touring house that was a two thousand seater. So I was, honey, I'm used to playing the big houses, <laughs> but um, but seriously, like it was it's it was a big house when it wasn't an auditorium. We had hydraulics, like it was it was a theater. Um, so. Uh, there's money involved, right? There was money involved. But then like other shows that had talent would do it on their cafeteria, like pull out stage and do great work. But um, it varied. Like money varies sort of with high school. And I feel like you could do like a, like a production for like $500, but then you could also spend like a couple thousand. <laughs> See, so again, like this is where I have no frame of reference because where I'm from in, in the Midwest, we have nine of the 10 largest high school basketball arenas in the country right. are around me. And so I have a very good idea of how much they spend on that sport. But since I was never in high school theater, never watched really high school theater, saw the national tours that came through the city. But like, I, I don't know if we spent at my school – I honestly don't even know if we did plays. I don't remember. I'm sure we did um, because uh, I went to a school that, that did prioritize the arts, but I, again, like I saw 44,000. I was like, that seems really high for high school. That seems like a high budget. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, we had that budget. We had, we had, I mean, our shop, like our shop alone was massive. It was like two stories of shop space. And we had dressing rooms and we had, because we had a, we were connected to an equity house too. So like the, 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 I mean, it had equity standard like facilities. So, um, I, I mean, in Urinetown, we had it, the, that production of Urinetown, um, was done, it was Broadway characters stuck in Urinetown. So like Hope was actually Mary Poppins and I was Tiny Tom, but I was actually Simba from The Lion King. And like Mrs. Lovett was, uh, uh, gave that away. Um, uh, uh, Penny uh, Pennywise was Mrs. Lovett and Bobby was Curly. And Hope, when she entered, 
Hope Gladwell, she was Mary Poppins. She flew in and we had the full, we had a full installed rented fly system that was like, she can like go back and forth and move around and she flew in. So, and also our set was a hydraulic, like I, I at the top of that too, like came up from the stage. So it sounds like you went to the school from step up. I did. I did. I went, I, I, um, it was, yes, I did. <laughs> That's going to be my frame of reference for this. Okay. So the second piece that I really want to dig into is that you didn't have a junkyard. You didn't have the, the, the standard ish set. You had a world war two bombed out cathedral as the backdrop of your, of your musical. Yeah. So we like to do shows that like our, our director, Jim Usher would like to give it a little spin and um cats was done in world war ii in a bombed out cathedral and uh it was beautiful i mean the stained glass was like in the cathedral the stained glass was uh cat eyes like hidden and like it was it was really amazing and it was stained glass and the light was beautiful and this set was like a jungle gym. Basically. I remember crawling through all of these different like um, pathways to get to certain places. And um, it was a bombed out cathedral. Now, for instance, you know, in the top of, in the top of the show during, um, Jellicle cats are queens of the night singing in a mm-hmm. you know, that part, mm-hmm. the, the choir part, you know when a shoe falls down, right? Yep. Instead of a shoe falling, it was a dud bomb. <laughs> which brings this just was, a whole new meaning to the show. I know, which was World War II. I mean, it was a dud bomb. And then just like Jelly Lorem or someone just like kind of like Picks scooped it off. <laughs> So did you change other parts of the musical to be World War II themed? Because I definitely have thought about this now. Since you told me this, I have some thoughts on how we can adjust this story to be more, more uh, you know, 1940s. I should watch the DVD. I have to find the DVD, but... Um, well, this is film. It, it, oh, it's, it's filmed. You have, you have, yeah. you have a, a videography budget, I'm sure. Yeah, it was filmed. And I could um, we could do a, 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 a viewing of it. But there are a few things that come to mind. Um, one was when Grizz goes up to the heavyside layer. Instead of the tire, you may be asking, what did Grizz fly on? Well, Grizz flew on the altar. The altar in the Bombed Out Cathedral rose into the heavyside layer and it was done alphabet cherry picker style. We had a cherry picker on stage disguised with the altar and it fully flew up into the sky with Grizz just like on it. And then that blackout where she's supposed to disappear, she just like goes into the altar and it looks like she just like is like disappears into the heavyside layer. So that's one then there was the whole pyrotechnic element. There were, there, there were, there were flashes, just like Joseph. There was flashes of of light. Like there was, um, Michaela Mancuso who played Jenny Any Dots. Uh, 
I remember it was either final dress or like opening. It was like she's tapping her little tush off and there's like flash, pyrotechnic, bomb. And she's just like, it's like, thank you, my dears. Hit. She catches on fire. And she is like on fire. And we have to like put her out or something like that. It was just wild. Wild. When you told me about the 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 fire for Jenny, that's I thought maybe you were trying to exterminate the mice and rats or in cockroaches. Oh, that's funny. I mean, who? Uh, I don't know. I ha- I have to remember. Like, I I think there might be more specific things that were World War Two, but those are the three things that really um, kind of stick out in my mind: is the bomb, the the altar, and then the pyrotechnics in <laughs> in Jenny Annie Dots. So this is where I like to live, which is this type of absurdity. Yeah. Of, okay. Now let's let let's write the show as a you know war musical. Mm-hmm. So I've done I've done some thinking about this. Oh my god. Who do you think? Who would that make old Deuteronomy? Because I think there's three choices. Like, how do you now turn this into a a war film? I guess it would be Churchill, right? So I thought Churchill, but you could also argue Truman, FDR, or Eisenhower. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And then what is McCavity fucking Hitler? <laughs> so I, I had I have that written that, that that could be it. And then if that's the case, then some of his followers are Mungo Jerry and Rebel Teaser. Interesting. And what is that like Goebbels and like But yeah, that's I mean, the thing, is they're they're not evil like Goebbels. I, I would say like, I don't know, like it's interesting because like you 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 make a you make an interesting point. Mungo Jerry and Rumpel Teaser are McCavity's followers. They're his, they're technically his children, I think, and they're they also and they're not that evil. They're more mis- mischievous, mischievous than, than evil. And that's why, honestly, calling McCavity Hitler seems like also pushing a lot further than like his level of evil than it should yeah. be. No, um, it's true. McCavity. I, just- <laughs> I had Churchill as Buster for Jones. Just seems like it fits better. Like it kind of honestly, maybe it's just because I, I compared them in my bus for episode anyways. It just seems like kind of a jolly old British guy and like to start. So that's one that I I think could be there. But I think here's the one that that really got me is the awful battle of the peaks and the pockles. Uh huh. Is that the invasion of Poland? Okay, two things. One, hysterical. Two. <laughs> We didn't do Peaks and Pollicles because in the licensed version, I oh, don't think I think it's I don't think it's in there. See, um, I, that's that's where I don't know. I just it's it's kind of a weird little subplot of the story, anyways, where it's just like yeah. they're talking about fighting a dog to bark, amuse bark, bark, right? yeah, yeah, to yeah. amuse old Deuteronomy. But the whole point is that it's a it's a battle. Right. And that's kind of interesting, like that you're that you're talking about, like it's an invasion of Paul. I mean, like the the Mungajari and Rumpelteas are always reminding me of like the Tenardiers and Les Mis, right? Like in the musical, the Tenardiers aren't evil or like or are te- or they're they're terrible, sure. Like whatever. Like they're 
they're the they're the villains of the story and you know they always rise on top like that's sort of the thing it's like that's their message it's like but in the book they're evil they're they're awful they're not good they're not good people and um the musical pokes fun at that which i love and i feel like that's sort of like a mongo jerry and rumple teaser thing where it's like the musical they add you know a comedic element to the show they're the rabble rousing cats and then you know they're, yeah. they're doing the cartwheels so i don't think that they're like i wouldn't if mccavity i don't think mccavity would be hitler compared to oh, hitler I, if i i think really think this boils down to is that you decided or your director decided to go world war ii and right. you, and it's an already loose plot and so I would have just owned it and really yeah. went for it and said, like, look, if we're going to change the set, let's let's really make some changes. And yeah. they, it sounds like you did some of them. And it's not like we're, like, shy of the swastika or anything. We did the producers two years later. And, and we – and I was I was um, Roger Debris. I was, I was fully Hitler. Like, there's one, <laughs> there's one point in the video where I watch it back and I'm, I'm giving springtime for Hitler – and the way that I move in one of the moments in springtime for Hitler, my hair goes a certain way. And with the mustache and everything, I look like Hitler. And my mom also said something about it too. She was like, you look like Hitler. <laughs> it's like, I know it's not, that's not great, but I did win an award for it. It's so it's all I mean, I do think it's performing arts. You are, you know, this is also a little bit of parody. Like there's, there's that there, um, not condemning the action. So, I, and that's where I like, when I heard this, I was like, all right, this is who I think, but like, I don't know if I really want to say McCavity is Hitler. Like that's a pretty far stretch for, for him, even though that, that does fit the world war two narrative. That's interesting. Cause I don't think that there's like a, a Hitler, um, comparison in cats. Like not at I'm all. trying to think of someone in the, in there's the, nobody like, that bad in the you know like McCavity is your antagonist, but he's really not that terrible. He kind of captures what is most likely his brother or his dad, and then there's like this kind of like little half-assed fight, and then all right. of a sudden he's done and he loses, and that's it. It's not like he, um, and and then in the new movie they kind of almost made him with you know Idris Elba. He wasn't even that evil. It didn't feel that evil. It was just kind of strange. Would you say like um would you say like uh uh McCavity could represent not like an expat but like someone that like didn't like did like didn't support the British Empire like someone that like left escaped or something like that didn't so like could I mean it could probably be that sort of comparison not True. so much but isn't that Grisabella who then comes back um I mean, Grisabel is more of just like a. I feel like McCavity. If we're talking about this in World War II, Gris, McCavity made an active choice to be like, "I'm anti-British, I'm bad," you know. But yeah. Grisabella was sort of like, she was just sort of like a little diva, and everyone was like, "Wait, you're not, you're not that hot," and you know what I mean. And I feel like that's like. I'm trying to think of now who Grisabella could represent in history. We, that's like we've devoted too much too much time to World War II, knowing that you didn't <laughs> that your group didn't even go into this as deeply as I would have hoped. 
No, I, unless we did, and it's like something I don't even remember. But I mean, I have, um, I do have pictures from cats. Uh, but I should find, I should get the video for you because it's, I mean, it's really epic. It's really epic. <laughs> I I would I would love to watch it. Um, I'm now I'm now being offered. There's been a handful of versions now that I ha- I do want to see that are taped. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to run out of time and so I'm going to be able to sit through cats uh, anymore in my life. Right. But I do want to talk now about the show because because okay. I think we got to get off the the World War II. We got to move on. Um, and your yeah. production was, I mean, more than everything you want. It's got you know fire. It's the everything is fine meme. That's what's happening in your production. Everything around you is on fire. It's a little bit a little bit offset, but again, incredible incredible show. Yeah, it was honestly, it was good. And here's one quick little story before we go. Um, I was the type of school where like we, so basically we all, the hair, the school had a makeup department and I wound up taking the class um, uh, my senior year and I loved it, but every cat had a makeup artist. So we did, yeah, you had a class project for it we didn't do our own hair and and wig and makeup or anything. We sat down and we got our faces painted and, um, by, by the makeup classes. So like, it was like, maybe it came out perfectly where like one person had one person. So it was great. It was just so good. And, um, and so there's something called cappies, which is a, like the Tonys, but for South Florida, theater um high school theater and cats was nominated for a bunch of things uh, and we were looking at the time of setup and and the night and we realized that we would not be able to have enough dressing room space where we could get ready backstage so we showed up full unitard full hair full makeup as cats to this ceremony and did the red carpet and like entered like just full, full costume, full cats. And it was great. And I, my, my friends still talk about like from other schools, they still bring it up to this day that it was one of the funniest things they'd ever seen in their life. Did you win? Yeah, we won for stuff. Um, I don't remember what we won for, but like we won for best makeup. We probably, we definitely won for makeup, but we also probably won for musical or, musical number or direction or something like that stage design yeah yeah we definitely won for stuff all kinds of stuff oh yeah okay let's talk about the non south was south florida musical yes. number of this let's talk about the the revival or the original production uh-huh i know you have very strong opinions on it yes so i've obviously debated a lot of different things i've made up a lot of stuff I've read a lot of stuff. Uh, where, like, what is your take on the musical? Like, give me just your hot takes. Like, where have I either been wrong or what have I nailed as the Broadway outsider talking about yeah. cats? I'm going to be very honest with you. I think cats is sort of a, a, a do what you think I mean sort of a situation. I think that we have to be in a certain state of mind anyway to, um, except the conceit that it's a bunch of human beings dressed as cats dancing and telling a story. You know what I mean? Like 
in no way are we going to walk into the Broadway or the, no, the Winter Garden, excuse me, the Winter Garden or the Neil Simon and go, it better be cats this time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, like I want actual felines. And if it's not, I, I'm not accepting this revival. You know what I mean? Like, no one's going to be doing that. So I think that boils down to like the experience that we choose, like whether or not the audience, like someone shows up like a few drinks in or like a little stoned or like ready to like dissect this and compare it to the original product, whatever it is. I think everyone is on its own journey. Like even doing the show, there were things where I was like, what is that lyric? Like not even hearing that lyric until like closing night. Like, I think everyone is on their journey and no matter how you approach cats, I think that it's like a, and I think it's also a moneymaker too, right? Like it's sort of like a, oh, yeah. see it, see it again. What did it's, you miss last time? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, it is one of the highest grossing musicals of all time, I believe. Um, and, and I think it, that's why it's one of the money. I think that's why it's a moneymaker is because people are probably like, I can't believe what I saw. I actually have no idea what I saw and I need to see it. I have to bring you with me. We have to see this together. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's been a couple of people that have made compelling arguments about this too, about how like with tourism and Broadway, it's a show that doesn't need, you don't need any background or any, I mean, you honestly don't even need to speak English to understand. Like you can kind of follow along no matter who you are, where you are or what you're thinking, um, which is, I, I think also part of it. Uh, and it is something that has a little bit of a, a lure to it because like, the reason I saw it the first time was I heard it was being revived and everyone's like, I was like, Oh, that it was that and phantom were the two that I was like, I've got to, I got to see these probably on Broadway. Like those feel like the ones that's like are classics or just things that you should experience. And, but that like, that was in that realm, not some of the other things that have been amazing recently that it's like, you should go see, but they've had their runs. Um, this is like that historic you know it's like seeing mm -hmm. something from that that just everyone speaks about so i think that's very true but it's also the weirdest thing i've ever seen in my life it's the weirdest it's the weirdest thing it's the weirdest thing but it's also beautiful like it's visually stunning and the way that you're talking about it, how like people don't necessarily need to speak english to understand it i mean like think about like with um with uh what's his face um Quaxo's singing, uh, dancing part. Mistopheles. Mistopheles. Thank you. Um, it's like Mistopheles, right? It's a big magic number. So it's like visual and it gives it to the audience, you know, and that's basically the whole show. It's like, you know, when the road, the tap dancing roaches come on and like, yep. and you, you, it's just, we all sort of, and then there are things that kind of, can, uh, uh, convince us of the conceit and it's like the boot dropping down and remembering that like the boot is why is the boot so big oh that's right they're cats yep. you know yeah so, so it's kind of you know that's kind of um i believe it though it's really fun and when i saw the revival i was really excited just because i actually really like cats and i really like the music like um and it was also a time where like I had friends in the show. I had Jess Hendy and I had Megan Ort. Megan Ort was in my class at Ithaca and we did Legally Blonde together. She was my Elle Woods. And next thing you know, she's singing memory on a Broadway stage because she was the second understudy for Grizz. 
And I went for her first performance and I photographed her backstage prepping for it as well for dressing room project. And it was just so wild. It was amazing and wild to see it. But like, also there was like new orchestrations in the, in the revival, which I loved. There was that drum. There was a new drum in this revival that just like got me really tapping my feet really into it. And I liked that a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's my only frame of reference is the revival and the VHS because that's all I've really seen. Um, and so that's that's what's kind of fun for me is I've talked to a lot of that cast, and it's uh, it's great because it was my two viewings live was the last preview or second to last preview, I think. And then a year exactly a year later, I saw Mamie and, and a, a lot of the new, um, when they had their turnover in year two. And so it's like, that's it. So when everyone's like, yeah, do you remember this? Or this was the change? I'm like, sure. But that's all, yeah. that's all I know. Yeah. Yeah, I look. I, I I think that the um, I think that the show's great. Like, I have a lot of fun whenever I go see it. And honestly, there is a um, there is truth. I think to that sentence that everyone says that cats is much more fun to do than it is to see. Hmm. And whenever I listen to that cast album, I am transported to doing the Jellicle Ball choreography and like getting so, so into it and like being so excited about like the like there's nothing like and like the lights change and just like that orchestra and just it's just so fun. Like it's such a fun show to do to just be a cat and dance and like be weird <laughs> yeah you're part of that family too it feels like yeah 100 percent. i mean it's really it's i think it's a great show so let's do some rapid fire yes so first of all who did you play in your production quaxo quaxo okay if you got to be anybody you wanted who would you want to play mungo jerry mungo jerry and give the give us some reason because um he's so close to Tenardier, and Tenardier is my dream role Okay, got it. Favorite and least favorite cat? Oh, um, favorite cat, I think, is Jenny Any Dots, just because she's so bumbly and fun and just, like, tapping. We love her. Least favorite cat, I think, is probably McCavity, because I don't need McCavity. Like, I usually love the evil characters, but for some reason, whenever I'm, like, whenever he comes on stage, I'm sort of, like, Fast forward. I like singing about McCavity, but I don't know. I don't yeah, know. the McCavity song is amazing. Yeah, that's a great song. Okay, so that is favorite song. Favorite song, um, aside from like the opening, because I can really jam out to the opening to Jellicle Cats. Um, I love Gus. Gus is not usually said as favorite song. That's it's it. It's a tearjerker for me. It really is emotional if you listen to the lyrics and like think about a cat like if you like think about like say like like telling the story of if an actual cat to that to that melody and to those lyrics like oh that's gorgeous yeah it is a very somber and heartwarming moment in a very awkward place of right after intermission <laughs> yes 100 <laughs> percent. i love the song i love the song if you had to quarantine with a cat, which one would you want to quarantine with? Which character? Oh, probably Monkestrap because he would 
be like, come on, let's go on an adventure. Let's like do something fun because I feel like I can get sedentary like Buster for Jones. <laughs> yeah. That's what, see, that's been my answer. I was like, let's just chill, eat well, live in your mansion, Bustifer. I think it'd be a good yeah. life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bustifer knows what's up. Um, okay. Last one. There's a thing called Cat's Tumblr, which I've been educated on, where uh, fans take on cats and write as them back and forth with other fans as if they're in other scenarios. So human scenarios or like everyday life scenarios. So if you could take over writing as a cat on Tumblr, which cat would you want to write for? I think I would write for Quaxo because um, I was once him and I know, and I once lived in his body. So I know exactly where he's coming from. And I played him as the diva cat. Like he's like the new Grizz and I had my, my hair was a mohawk. And I remember I just like, you know, when he sings there, I'm Tom Tugger is a terrible bore. I remember I like came and did my mohawk. So I'd probably like, I would probably write about how a fierce gay cat like myself is um, enjoying London post blitz. (laughs) I can see that. I feel like you could, you could have some fun with that. Yeah. So fun. See, I'd write McCavity. Why? Well, and what would you write about? I would McCavity? Be, I would just be the asshole and the bad guy in every scenario. Like I think that's, that's so fun funny. to write. I think you know it's a it's a personality type I'm not normally, and so it'd be fun to kind of be able to take on that persona. I love that. So, like, how is it like they assign each other? Like, do they just like today I'm writing about like going to the grocery so store? Like, how- my understanding is they're profiles i actually am not super familiar with tumblr but i think they're profiles and you like almost write back and forth as like sure. it's like a thread and so oh. they own they like the, these fans own different profiles and it's like i'm going to get on and then they kind of i think they're all friends you know i think like they're people that have become a community and they will just have a someone will start a conversation and they'll all kind of jump in that's my interpretation of it it seems like again it's one of those things that's where cats fandom and just like the fascination of cats is so much more than just this like musical is that there's these things that live outside that yeah. that are you know, fairly wholesome and, um, and just people who are in, who enjoyed the community, enjoyed like the writing, enjoyed everything and have taken a, a way to, to interact together. Yeah. Like honestly, when it comes to community, like that's why we do it. Right. As we, is we want to engage and we want to promote community. Like as long as no one's hurting each other or engaging in like illegal activity where like they're harming each other and stuff like that then like live your life, like communicate with people, especially during the pandemic, like do what you do, what you need to do in order to like feel that you are a part of the world around you, no matter, no matter what it is. Like if you're going to go on Tumblr and be, and, and sort of, I guess, role play as cats, like go for it. Like tell that story. Like uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber is happy because, you know, I, I like, who doesn't want their musical being talked about and explored like that? For sure. Like that, that's it's exciting. A, it reminds me a little bit of sports fandom, which is very similar. And that's like, you've got your community, you've got your thing. Um, and it's a lot too. Um, so it's like, how, how different is this really? No, it's not. It's not. And like really cool stuff happens out of it. Like there was the, um, 
you know, I, I don't think it was, it was like um, a fan. It comes out of fandom, but like things when we love certain things, when we um, enjoy certain things, we can, it educates us enough where we can create something with that. So like there was the, um, that uh, musical that was written twisted, which was about like the wicked, but of Jafar and like, that's fucking cool. You know, like that's like people when they take their like geekiness and their like fandom and they like turn it into something that like other people can enjoy. That's awesome. That's what it's about. Agreed. Agree. 100%. So last question. Mm-hmm. Should Grizabella be the one to die and ascend in your church altar to the heavy side layer? Or would you be voting for someone else if you were in charge? I probably would send Gus. Team Gus. It's the consensus. Yeah, just because, like, he did so much. And, like, he's so lovely. And, like, he's old. Like, let him, let him, let him, let him rest now. Let him enjoy. You know what I mean? Like, He's he's often played as not doing too well too, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's he's like I mean like Max Melman played him in my high school production and he he was full shaky shaky like I mean like wasn't looking at anyone like shaky shaky and <laughs> barely was on his voice. I mean it was some acting happening, but well, he was on his way out anyway. Sir John Mills was blind and had to be like carried on stage in the vhs right oh so that's um, i didn't know that that wasn't like yeah, a choice not, no no it was a he has walked out there because he is blind uh at time of that filming and so he couldn't do any dance numbers he couldn't do anything he had to be basically ha- like handheld out there to stand on his mark for the movie and that's amazing that's sue jane tanner that's walking him out and sue jane tanner was the original uh, Madame Tenardier in London in Lemus. Hmm. Everything crosses over. So right. how do we, uh, you're involved in so many projects. I want to make sure we, we t- cover them. How do we follow them? How do we, how do we listen to your podcasts and follow the dressing room project and everything else? Yeah, of course. Follow me at the Michael Kushner on Instagram. That's like the most important thing just because like, that's pretty much like my hub, but at the Michael Kushner on Instagram and, um, when you listen to my uh, podcast, your multi-hyphenate, or watch my Broadway memory every Thursday live, east, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, you could follow those accounts on Instagram at your multi-hyphenate and at my Broadway memory, and we can keep in touch and we can do all that stuff and kip it and have a good time. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for enlightening us and telling us about your insane and amazing production of cats from south florida you're so welcome um i will i will find that dvd and i'll watch it and i will let you know if there's anything that else i need to report yeah i want to know any more plot changes that's really what i'm most interested in is what else did you decide to do to change the narrative of cats because there's there's a lot of ways you could do that yeah i don't know i'll watch it and let you know perfect
Well, thanks for listening to this episode with Michael Kushner on the Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.